Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aw, yeah? Language is one of the most important parts of any culture. It is the way by which people communicate with one another, build relationships, and create a sense of community. The evolution of language is often shaped by the culture of the particular group who speak it. If you truly want to master a second language, knowledge of cultural context of the language you're learning can provide you with invaluable insights into certain phrases that are often spoken by natives of that language or of that particular cultural group. Aw, yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world. This is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and amazeballs way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, lifting weights at the gym, or even getting your hair cut. Oh, yeah. I'm joined here in the global studio by, what did we say last week? The most lecker... (laughs) teacher in, in, in all of South Africa, Kassen. Hey guys, <laughs> good to be here. So wh- what did you say this is this podcast is an amazeballs way to learn English? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's slang, isn't it? Yeah, it was just sort of like carrying, you know, last week's podcast through into this week. <laughs> um, yeah, amazeballs is like an informal way of saying like incredible or amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's combining two words. We also did a lesson several back because I think it was it was with Andrea, but uh, about how we will combine words in English. So it's like, I don't know, combining balls, which is usually slang and, and amazing, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you might want to check out both of those podcasts if you haven't already. But today we are on the more, what do you call this? Like the more intangible part of language learning, um, mm-hmm. which is about understanding the culture, which is super Super important about any language that you're going to learn. So we're going to dive deep into that. But before we do, we have a shout out to a very special listener and app user. So we have this awesome shout out from Lindaru, who says that this app is absolutely amazing. It was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Here I can be the best version of myself. Thanks a lot for developing such an amazing content. And I could say for all students out there, thank you, Ethan, and all of your staff for making something that is really life changing. Wow, that is really an incredible, that's an amazeballs <laughs> review from Lindaru. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that it... It's like one of the best things that ever happened in your life. So incredible. if you haven't yeah. checked it out yet, you know, look at what you're missing out on. Go and check it out <laughs> and you can listen to this podcast with a full transcript uh, and you can practice your speaking with people from all around the world and discover new cultures, which is what today's episode is all about. So before we get into talking about culture, though, we have a kick-ass quote. Okay, so today's quote is, when something is important enough, you do it even if the odds are not in your favor. This is a quote by Elon Musk. One of your compatriots, right? Yeah, South African born. (laughs) I think a lot of people don't know that about Elon Musk, right? Because he's got, Mm -hmm. I think he's um, Americanized in some sense, his, his English probably has absorbed that culture from living there for so long. 
Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he's got like Canadian citizenship and American citizenship, uh-huh. as well as South African. I think wow. I, I read that somewhere, <laughs> I might be wrong. But I do think he's like, he's a man of the world now. He belongs to everyone. <laughs> I don't think mm-hmm. he's, yeah, I don't think he considers himself necessarily one nationality. Yeah, he's a global citizen in some sense. I mean, That's it. maybe even a... Uh, I don't know what you could say even more than that, like a galactic citizen or something like that, you know, wanting to take us to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I think this quote is definitely very Elon Muskian because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he likes to take on these tremendous challenges that just seem impossible, but he's he's really making a, quite an impact in all these different things that he's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It'd be like just doing something like Tesla alone and kind mm-hmm. of popularizing driving electric cars would already be a tremendous undertaking, but he's doing that and he's building these space shuttles that are going to be able to travel to, to Mars. And um, he has several other projects that just sound like science fiction, right? Yeah, that's true. He really is all about like, you know, taking things to the next level and like beating the odds and like showing us that like whatever you imagine you can do if you if you really, you know, have that drive and that passion to do it. Totally. So... That's a great lesson for all of us out there. You know, when you're sometimes mm-hmm. you want to give up and things like that, you can just think that, you know, even if the odds aren't in your favor, always you have to reconnect mm-hmm. to that purpose and, and just push yourself through it. That's true. So that said, let's jump into today's main topic all about culture and cultural fluency. All right. So to start off, People might have mixed ideas about what culture is. So how would you describe culture? Okay, so in my opinion, um, and in terms of what we're talking about today, it's basically the way that people behave, their attitudes, their goals, their values, just the way that they choose to live their lives or the way that they choose to engage with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even even beyond like choosing, it's like something that comes from our our descendants, right? It's it's something that it comes. You'll have like culture on different levels. So you have the culture even just within your family, and the culture that you would mm-hmm. have with your friends is like usually a little bit different, right? Your your different circles, and then you have the culture that comes from maybe people in the part of your country, and then from yeah. your country, and then you know you can you can always expand beyond that and have maybe more of a, a global culture. But these things tend to be like really deeply integrated, like even. Um, even for me, like having lived outside of the States for many years, there's still many aspects of American culture that I can't shake off and maybe that I wouldn't want to shake off because, you know, there's great things from every culture. There's a lot of things from American culture I don't agree with, uh, but I think it's nice with every culture to see that there's not just one culture that's right or your way of thinking isn't always the best way. Uh, and there's things to value from from every culture. So I think it's super important that we're curious about that and we we... We observe that, and we don't we don't uh, just judge it or jump to conclusions and think that you know that person's wrong or that person's crazy or weird or whatever the case is because they do things differently or they they think about things differently. Exactly. Um, one of the things that um, I remember learning uh, in, in high school actually about culture and, and literacy and you know culture and language and how they're connected you know very deeply they're basically part of each other like there is no way that we can separate them so the way that we live our lives the way that we choose to you know do things affects the type of words we use and the way that we speak to each other so for example in Africa like I'd say here in South Africa people tend to speak quite 
loudly. We don't really value <laughs> whispering. <laughs> it's not really like um, a virtue here to be, you know, very quiet. <laughs> so people who who whisper, it's actually seen to be quite rude. So when mm. you speak, you have to be very expressive and like, you know, express your 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 feelings, you know, very. I guess publicly, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 valued, and so like in the same way with like the words that you choose to use, it's it affects the this, this sort of cultural idea of um, of the way we should behave affects the way that we speak. Right. Yeah, I think Americans are quite loud as well, but I think Brits, on the other hand, are we don't have Andrea here to verify, but I've met a lot of Brits and they they are very quiet, right? And they're very like. Mm. Um, it ties into politeness in some sense, but I think it's, mm. it's just like a very, a properness in the way of doing things, right? Is the way they'd see it anyway, yeah. as being proper, maybe not so proper for you or me. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny because like both of our cultural roots come from that British culture and stuff. And yet it's, it's been able to split away from that. Um, and, and it's interesting because we share a language, but there's things that will bridge off right from it, uh, that, that reflect the individual cultures that, uh, so it's kind of like the language has adapted to those different cultures. Exactly. <laughs> For example, I think British people have a lot of expressions to talk about the weather because it's like the <laughs> the favorite topic in the UK since it's it's something that's, that's always kind of crazy. Mm, that's true. That's true. So why is it not enough for fluency just to learn the vocabulary, the grammar, the pronunciation? Why is culture also an aspect that people often overlook. People overlook it because they're so focused on like learning grammar and like sounding perfect as opposed to like, how do I actually use this language in a, you know, in a practical way? How do I engage with people and sound natural when I speak? Yeah. Part of that is there's like a great quote from Picasso. It's learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. And with mm. language, I think the culture is kind of part of that because you know, native speakers obviously will make mistakes when we speak. We don't. We don't always speak with textbook grammar, and and I think a lot of that too will come out of the culture because you know you'll you'll find like subcultures within a country that might have a certain way of speaking, um, which could even be like really bending the grammar to to their own way of using it and stuff. And and that's not what would be considered correct within you know a, the context of proper grammar, but if you were to be in one of these places and you don't speak like that, then it's obviously, you know, you, uh, it reflects that you, you aren't a part of that culture. That's true. Um, like there's even, I know you spoke about like different meanings of, of the word culture, but like, I mean, if you think of music, like you get like hip hop culture or like, mm-hmm. you know, like there's all these, so like the way that if I, if I connect myself or I, if I associate myself with like hip hop culture, I might be using a lot of hip hop words in my daily life and you know it doesn't necessarily reflect south african culture but it might be just like a personal sort of you know cultural association that i choose to um incorporate in my own personal life so right culture is very interesting so like <laughs> yeah yeah so sorry you know i'm just thinking like in terms of um just learning and, and exposing yourself to like you don't need to learn every culture but it's good mm-hmm. to know so that when you are entering a particular space or environment or whether it's like business i mean business culture that's a thing so like understanding the type of words to use in that environment is important mm-hmm. so 
Yeah. Yeah. So what you said, like, for example, in the last podcast I recorded about slang, like you probably wouldn't use this in, at work or you wouldn't use this with your grandma, but depending on the culture, like the, the workplace culture of the company you work in, maybe you would use those kind of things. Uh, That's so true. I think it's, it's important. There's kind of like a foundational skill of just being really flexible when you're in these different situations. Um, people can probably even think about that. Maybe you get invited to a party by a friend and it's like your friend's other friend group. So you, you're not friends with them and you'll notice like there's certain words they use that you wouldn't usually use, or, uh, there's inside jokes, you know, there's all these things mm-hmm. that's like, it's even this, this micro culture that's, uh, just within this group of friends. And it's, it's kind of fun to observe this and, and see, and to start observing your own reaction to this kind of thing. Like, can you flow with it and stuff? Can you be curious about it. Can you look at it without judging it? Um, and that's going to serve you really well in a huge variety of different situations that you're going to find yourself in when you are learning another language, be it that you have to, you know, you're using it in a workplace where maybe people are from the States or they're from the UK or South Africa, but maybe they're also from a lot of other countries and stuff. And you need to be able to be flexible and not be judgmental about people doing things in a different way or having a different mm-hmm. perspective and things like this. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And like you're what you're saying is so true because yeah, it's not just the words you're using. It's, it's the words you choose not to use. And it's like the way that we um, communicate what we're saying, you know, all of these things are, are tied into the culture of our particular country or environment or yeah, that's all part of culture. So why learning about culture is essential the first point is that culture increases engagement in learning a language. So basically, it helps to learn uh, about the culture of the native people who use the language because it introduces you to the human side of that language. So basically, if you're learning about you know how people use English in the U.S., um, it becomes more human. It becomes more um, tangible. It becomes more practical for you to use those words in your daily life because you understand why people are using it that way or um, the way in which they use it. Like it becomes like, yeah, a practical part of your learning process. I always think it's like the most fun, one of the most fun parts to learn about because it's, it takes it outside of the book and everything. And, uh, you know, you can learn everything else pretty much in a book and you could read about culture, but I think it's, it's not the same as experiencing it. So, um, a lot of this you can get without, you don't necessarily need to travel to an English speaking country mm-hmm. to experience this and everything. Uh, one example is it's really interesting how people will talk about food. So different people have different body language, depending on the culture they come out of. Every, uh, cultural group has different body language that they'll use when talking about food. I mean, the Italians will like stick their finger in their cheek or I, uh, other cultures will like kind of, what do you call it? Like wipe their chin with the bottom of their hand. Oh. Uh, in English, we might like rub our stomach or we might make, make certain noises, right? You'd be like, hmm. So it's kind of, it's interesting to observe these kind of things. And it, it's like a much more 3D or much more, um, yeah, yeah, deep part of the, deeper part of the language. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, um, and you're just thinking about what you're saying right now. I, I have never thought about it before, but I think... <laughs> Yeah, I've, I I feel that even in South Africa, like, like we use different ways of like people, go, hmm, like they make like weird like sounds when they are like referring to food. And um, yeah, I didn't really think about it, but that's definitely cultural. Yeah, good point. Most definitely. And I don't know, there, there's all these things that we were talking about uh, 
in English speaking culture, one of the big things, and this goes both ways, is uh, being overly polite, being what con compared to other cultures would seem overly polite. Uh, and we were joking about before we even started that in most English speaking countries, like someone steps on your foot and you apologize to them for your foot being in their way. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like the, the level that it can go to sometimes. And I say it goes the other way too, though, because like for me, it's still hard to that, that's like really deep in me is like that, that super polite culture and stuff. So like people here hardly ever will like apologize. Mm. Uh, but for me, it's like, I, I'm, I'm always like apologizing, you know, for being in someone's way or bumping into someone or whatever the case is, Same. because it's just something that's held very deeply. Yeah. That's, that's very, very true. I think like saying sorry after every little mistake is just, you know, <laughs> It's actually a little bit, um, it's actually a little bit like, it, it's awkward, actually, when you're around people who don't apologize all the time and you're the only one going, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I definitely um, agree with it. I think uh, for people to learn to do this can be quite difficult, you know, to mm. adjust to like being that polite. Um, and I, I think that to some extent, I don't think you need to be overly polite. I just think you need to learn the right way to do it and when the right time to do it is also important. But yeah, yeah maybe not if you, someone of... steps on your foot, but certainly if you step on their foot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You definitely true. have to make sorry a word that you're more comfortable with. But I would say like a, a caveat here is to not, don't apologize for your English because uh, I always think that's, that, that's mm. one of my pet peeves definitely with English learners is when people are just like, before they even, before I've even had a chance to see, you know, how their English speaking is, and then saying, "Oh, sorry for my bad English," and things like this. It's like you're learning a language; it's really difficult. Don't apologize for that. It's true. It's, um, it's quite difficult. I mean, I, I'm sure you you know uh, from learning other languages yourself. I think it it is quite uh, frustrating. I think you feel like you know, I should maybe they feel like they should be better, you know, than what they they are, but. I agree with Ethan, guys. Don't don't apologize. It's it's really not easy to learn a language. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's the one time you don't need to apologize. <laughs> right. So we kind of talked about like being politeness being something. Um, when you learn about the local culture of a place of the language you're learning, it means that you'll have fewer misunderstandings. So that could be one. Um, can you think of any other examples that might happen in traveling to, if someone were to travel to South Africa? <laughs> For example, what might help them to know culturally to avoid misunderstandings? Um, we say shame a lot, like in the same way that, you know, you would say sorry. But we use shame in a way that we say, oh, shame. Like sometimes we say it when things are just cute. So like we see someone <laughs> like a cute baby and we go, oh, shame. Oh, look at her cheeks, shame. And we mean it in like, oh, adorable. That's so cute. But um, the word shame here is definitely used differently. Um that's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> That's one that would like probably if you go to the UK or the US and you're just saying, if you're saying shame a lot, but like meaning it in a nice cutesy way, <laughs> it's kind of like the parents are going to think you like that they offended you or something like that, right? <laughs> exactly. We, I have to say though, like we also use it when we empathize. So of course we go, oh, shame. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, so we use shame, you know, for both of these uh, types of situations, but yeah, shame. <laughs> yeah, if you come to SA, that's how you will hear it used. So that's a good thing to know. So you're not just being like, you know, you you know that they're not shaming your baby. They're just saying that it's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Just a quick interruption to ask you a question. Do you ever feel frustrated when you are listening to a podcast, watching a TV series, or you are in a conversation in English and you do not understand what is said? Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our Real Life Native Immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use your English in the real world. Just imagine understanding your favorite TV series without subtitles, or confidently speaking with someone and comprehending everything they say. You can do it, and we're here to help. And the best part is, you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. That's P-O-D. Or simply click the link in the description of this episode. Another really good one that we were talking about is, is both of us are Portuguese learners. And, and I think this happens actually in a lot of Latin languages that saying the word what in their language when you don't understand is completely normal. But... When you do it in English, uh, the mistake a lot of learners will make is they'll say what, and with this really plosive, really strong T at the end, mm-hmm. and it sounds really accusatory when you say it in English. Like you, you don't exactly. believe that person, or you're you're astonished by their behavior, or something like that. So if, if you don't understand and you're doing this, obviously you're giving the wrong the wrong impression. Like you're the person's going to feel like what they said offended you, or. Mm-hmm. Or something like this. And that's something very cultural, right, of the, the use of that True. word. True. It, uh, I think you mentioned this earlier as well. It comes across very aggressive mm-hmm. and not just accusatory, but like it almost feels as though you're annoyed with me uh, when you use yeah. it in that way. Like, what? You know, did I say something wrong? Um, You know, like it just feels a little bit uncomfortable to hear it in that way. I personally, I mean, culturally, as you said, like in English, it does come across a little bit aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, I think like knowing the culture helps you to not appear as being rude. So Mm -hmm. Um, one thing you can do, obviously, is is most accents of English. We won't say the at the end. We'll say it like a, a so it's. If you, if you can learn that and say what instead of what, that helps somewhat. <laughs> but I think just saying sorry, right, or pardon would be words that we would use more if, we, if you don't understand or even uh, learning some phrases like, could you say that again or I didn't catch that is much better than saying what. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think another one we spoke about earlier is like OMG. So O-M-G. this is definitely... <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely one that people especially younger people tend to use quite often, but it's not always appropriate, I think, um, because, you know, it can be a little bit offensive to some people, I guess, in in the religious sense, it can, you know, feel a little bit offensive. Um, But yeah, it's again, like knowing when to use certain words can be very helpful. So you don't step on anyone's toes. (laughs) You don't offend anyone. Yeah. Yeah, people... I, th- I think it's quite an American thing saying like, oh my God, um, people, some people use it quite a bit, but I think it's, it's, it's always, you have to think of it like a seasoning or something that you don't want to add like t- too much salt or too much pepper to a dish or something. Cause it ruins the the taste. And so you can use it a little bit, be careful, like around to you, like if people are more maybe religious, they might, they might not take kindly to, uh, you saying God and you can like soften it too by saying, oh my gosh. 
But to me, it sounds exactly. also like a little bit like <laughs> what I was told when a kid is like, you can't say, oh my God, you have to say, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. yeah. And uh, if you want to sound really American, you have to have like the valley girl, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. Or like, I don't know. Like I really, I, I love, I love that. I love that accent. It's my favorite. <laughs> There's like really great, uh, I love like Amelia Clark that I think we recently like worked on a lesson with Amelia Clark that I believe it hasn't uh, been published yet, but she does amazing accents and she does like a, mm-hmm. a, f- a fantastic impression of the Valley Girl. Perfect. I love it. And something else that's useful to know culturally too is um, maybe not everyone is fortunate enough to travel to a lot of different English speaking countries, uh, but maybe if you're working a certain job, you might have clients or people you're working with who come from different English-speaking countries, and it can be good to know about different words that people use or don't use in different countries. Um, For example, if you're learning American English and you're working with a British person and you want to compliment them, you're just, you know, trying to be a nice person, but you say, oh, I really like your pants, they might take that differently than an American would, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I don't know this, like, for sure, but you guys use pants for underwear? That's right. Brits that use it for underwear. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So sorry. But for us, it's, it's uh, yeah, like jeans. Oh, right. Uh, you, the things you wear, yeah, on your bottom half. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Cultural fluency, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what would you call pants? What would you call, like, the two different kinds of pants in South Africa? Pants are trousers. Trousers. So they're, so the same like, as in British. Yeah. It's, um... Yeah, but we wouldn't use pants ever for underwear. Um, we wouldn't ever use that. But uh, yeah, so pants could be. We would. I think jeans are jeans. Jeans are not pants. Yeah. So we. I was trying to those. think of like how do you describe? <laughs> it's like uh, you know, formal jeans, and then yeah, you have other kinds of pants that are, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. But so, what would you say underwear, or would you say underpants? <laughs> we might we might say underpants Undies. or. Yeah, undies, undies common here. Tidy yeah. whities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we might say that, but like underpants are, are I guess the the easiest one mm-hmm. too. So yeah, so but you wouldn't use that in the UK. So it's like it's interesting to know. We we have we've done a few different podcasts on these different kinds of differences that can be if you do have mm-hmm. these opportunities where you're interacting with different people, it can be good just to review a little bit to make sure you don't say any mm-hmm. faux pas, but. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting part of cultural fluency as well as, is being able to adapt to different ways of speaking the language. And I think even for learning English, being that it's a global language, depending on what your goals are with the language, uh, which it might be interacting with people from a lot of different countries, it can be good to, to kind of adopt more of a neutral language and stuff. So, Mm. uh, the fluency there might be, for example, if you're speaking to a native, if, if you're like trying to learn connected speech and stuff and you're speaking to natives, then, you know, that's great to go all out, have fun with it. But if you're speaking to other learners, especially ones who might have a lower level than you, then you might want to, you know, adopt uh, a more easy to understand English. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think with like football and soccer, for example, we all know what that is, regardless. I, I don't know if other people's are confused by football and soccer. I don't think it is confusing to me, but I always find it amazing when people ask, like, so when I say football, they go like, do you mean soccer? I thought it was like a normal thing. I thought it was only in America that it was 
different. Well, for for me, even when when I talk to people, it's like sometimes I have to th- I have to switch a chip in my in my head, you know, to think about which sport are they talking about. You know, are they does this person speak British English? Or are they talking about you know what I would call soccer, or are they do they speak American English? Or are they talking about American football? So yeah. Wh- and what do what do you guys call? It? Do you say soccer or football? Soccer. Yeah. You say soccer. soccer. So it's just the Brits that don't say soccer. Yeah. They're actually the weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> the weird ones. But um, Andrew's not here, so we can say it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like it's 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 things like that. Like I, I think if you do understand what both of those things are, like you said, with like understanding underpants, underwear, understanding what they mean in different contexts, like you never have to, you know, you know, be confused. You never have those moments where you're confused. You could just like clarify like you did, oh, so what do you call it? Oh, okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like understanding that these words or there are, you know, different ways of saying the same thing in different countries, it really helps. You know, even if you don't know what those things are called, you can always find out. But just being aware that, you know, they might be, they might be these differences. They exist. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think not not letting it stress you out or anything, just mm. being curious always yeah. about it, you know, asking. Exactly. So cultural fluency can be really important too for understanding the media, understanding pop culture, even understanding the jokes when you're watching a TV series or when, when you're with like a group of, of uh, native speakers of that language. And so uh, that can be really valuable as well. So for example, um, the, the jokes like like right now, uh, I'm watching like an older Spanish show from the, um, I believe it's from the early 2000s. And so there's a lot of cultural references that I don't get because they're, they're referring probably to like famous people from at that time. And I, I don't know who they, they are, but um, but this can be, you know, if you're watching like Friends, for example, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of those that happen in the different episodes that they'll be referencing some famous person or referencing maybe a president or, you know, something like that, a politician. Uh, so it can be kind of useful to have someone maybe who can explain these things to you or, you know, look up on, on Wikipedia who these things are. Yeah. Because... The reason those things are funny usually is because most people from that country would know who that person is, right? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, like like you said, with um, certain jokes that are, you know, related to pop culture or current affairs, um, it's, it's good to have that kind of, like, curiosity to find out, you know, what does this mean? Um, but also... Uh, like some of it is like, it's a lot deeper. I mean, we did a lesson recently with like, you know, the Joey Paponi or the Joey Switzerland example. Like if you don't know what something means, what the joke means, it really does help, as Ethan said, to, you know, have someone explain it to you or, you know, watch one of our lessons and we'll explain it to you or maybe just like Google it. Like that, that's like, it's very good to have that curiosity. It's like the best way to to understand jokes if you don't get it immediately. And I think that that's really important because it just helps you to relate and to connect to speakers of that language is is kind of like sharing those those cultural things and stuff. It just it can make the the connection a little bit more natural and stuff because you're, you're kind of like speaking the same language, not just by the words that you're speaking, but also by kind of like the deeper set of values, understanding, history, and these kind of things. Exactly. Um, but I think when it comes to like jokes... Um, it goes, it's, it's, it's so complex because jokes that are funny in Spanish might not translate 
um, in the same totally. way in English. So that's why you can't watch dubbed shows and movies and stuff because you just lose like 50% of the jokes. Exactly. Exactly. So I think like when it comes to, to humor, it's so funny because like, even if you understand the cultural context, you understand, oh, it's that guy who did this thing. Oh, okay. But it's not funny. <laughs> so again, that's like a deeper <laughs> layer of like culture there because there's like, it's a lived experience that people in that place at that time, um, might have that you, you just, you know, you might not get. So it's always good to have that in mind. Like it's the joke might be funny. It's just not funny to you. You're, you weren't there. <laughs> you should have been there. At that time. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably is okay too. I mean, it's, it's okay. Maybe sometimes to not get it because you didn't, you didn't grow up with that experience and everything, but uh, yeah, don't beat yourself up about those kind of things. Cause it's just like everyone has their life story, right? So if you head over to our Instagram at reallife.english, Kaisa is going to be doing a special lesson on cultural fluency where you can learn. Today we've talked just about why you need cultural fluency, why it's important, but she'll actually give you some practical tips on how you can learn more so that you can be more culturally fluent. So highly recommend that you go and check that out. Yeah, you guys should definitely check that out. Um, and I think that in order to be more culturally fluent, the best advice that I can give you is to be curious. Just, you know, keep that, you know, curiosity alive, you know, be excited to learn new things. Be curious about what you don't know. Yeah, having an open mind and 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 have fun with it. So that's a great place for us to end. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Real Life English Podcast. One, two, three. Oh yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.